Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this end-of-year episode of the New Hollywood Podcast. Just a note... This is a little bit different from uh, previous episodes. Um, The first segment we will have Chief Inclusion Officer Allison Williams from Endeavor, as well as Senior Vice President of Social Impact at Endeavor, Rama Loratnam. Uh, We will chat with them for the first part, and then after that, it will be me, Amanda, and Producer David talking about our end-of-year picks and all of that good stuff. So enjoy the episode. Welcome, Ramala and Allison, to our very last episode of Deadline's New Hollywood Podcast. Thank you guys so much for being here. So we we here on the podcast, obviously, if you follow us, you know we're all we're all things diversity and representation, and we sort of like to use this last episode to reflect on things that happened this year and sort of talk about what we hope we see come out of years to come. So I just, just for, for reference, if you two just would talk about your roles at Endeavor and, and, and sort of, uh, what, what, what do you, what, sorry, <laughs> what, you do what, do you do? Comes, <laughs> what do you do when it comes to that, to diversity? Um, what do you Rumble, do we'll, exactly? <laughs> Rumble, we'll start with you. Tell us about your role and, 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 and what you do in, in terms of uh, that space. Sure. So I lead what's called our social impact department. And under that, we do three major things. First thing is work with any clients that are signed to WME or Endeavor more broadly on any of their social impact initiatives. If they want to start a foundation, work with a cause, you can imagine in the last few months, a lot of it has been around increasing representation in the industry. We also handle our company social responsibility. So who is Endeavor? Who is WME? What do we stand for? How do we use who we are as a company? to impact social issues that are important to our constituents, clients, and employees. As part of that, we run the Endeavor Foundation, which is our separate 501c3 focused on access and inclusion. And we also work with our consumer-facing properties like Freeze and New York Fashion Week uh, to infuse social responsibility um, and industry access into the work that they're doing. Okay. Okay, nice. Concise. (laughs) <laughs> Allison, what about you? I know. I need to learn. I that was. I need to. I, know. <laughs> I need to be more concise. I hear it. I heard that. I heard you. I heard you. It's okay. Okay, you you guys can balance each other out. So it's yeah, fine. Okay. <laughs> I'll take note. I'll take that. I uh, so you know. First, I'm, this is great. I'm really excited to be you know having this conversation. And so I am the chief inclusion officer of Endeavor. I've been there just um, about a year and a half. 
And you're right, like this year is a really interesting year to reflect on regarding diversity. And so my job is to really be, um, help the company understand and see and expand on how we create an inclusive culture. How do we reflect on and embed everything that we know is important about diversity and equity and inclusion mm-hmm. and where that can be and how it, what it can look like and what success looks like. So it's definitely representation. Mm-hmm. It's how we think about our work, our business, our clients. You know, Rommel and I work really closely together uh, because there's just that it really is, if we're doing it right, is connected to everything. And we're mm-hmm. like working through that lens to make sure that everyone is uh, able to show up and thrive in this, in our company. And you said it, Allison, this year has been very, very interesting. Um, A lot has It's been a year. (laughs) It's been a year. Um, And I'm so happy we've got through it. So congrats everybody for getting through this year. Well, Uh, well, well, hold on. We have like a couple more more weeks to go. (laughs) I just knocked on wood. Right. (laughs) But I mean, um, I mean, along with obviously the pandemic that took us earlier this year, we had, we saw the, we witnessed the murder of George Floyd. Um, we also talked about the, we, we also saw the sort of uprising afterwards with the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, and, and, and also it seemed like a lot of companies, I don't know if you guys would agree with this, but it seemed like a lot of these bigger companies are sort of had more, are, are sort of getting on board now, but with, with what, what it comes with, when it comes to Black Lives Matter and what, what people are, um, what we're talking about. So I want to ask you guys, what, what, what stood out to you when it came to this, this issue, um, sort of the responses that you saw within the industry, what, what sort of, the, what are sort of things that really like, um, which you guys really took notice to? Well, yeah, you know, I'll start. You know, it's one of the things that it's it has been a year, and you know, it's it's uh, sadly it's actually there's not a lot that's unique that happened. It's just that how visible and we were all so focused because of mm-hmm. you know being at home for the most part, and so we you know there was there was a lot more attention and there was a lot more diversity in the attention. Uh, there was a lot of the the people who were you know really uh, thinking about it and and leaning into BLM and and deciding to like do a lot of like introspective work, mm-hmm. but it wasn't just people, it wasn't people of color only. And it was really mm-hmm. a, a lot of other people were seeing that there was, there was something really wrong happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the only other the thing that I'll add before I, um, I see the space to Ramallah is that George Floyd was murdered, but he was, and he was murdered just a couple of days after an incident that happened in New York City in Central Park with a woman named Amy Cooper. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. And I take, I always keep those connected because what Amy Cooper was threatening a bird watcher with, a black male bird watcher with, was what happened to George Floyd. Like right. She knew that this is actually what happens when you call, when you can, what could happen if she invoked law enforcement and she talked about the race of the person who she was apparently being terrorized by. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I say when I do this work a long time, I've done this work a long time, but I've been saying it a lot recently is that I don't think that there's anyone that we work with, I know that there isn't, who would ever do anything and wouldn't be horrified by what happened by George Flo- to George Floyd. There's some Amy Coopers in the ether, right? Mm-hmm. Not intentionally necessarily, but it's in the, that's a little bit more insidious. That's where the work is. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think also okay. what Allison is pointing out that's really interesting is what happened with George Floyd. So in, in the space I'm in, right, it's when you're dealing with an emergency, a crisis, something in yeah, the yeah. social sphere that's captured the attention or minds and hearts of people broadly defined in this country or elsewhere. But what happened with this moment was that because of it happening with the Amy Cooper 
incident around the same time. It wasn't just let's end police brutality, let's create social change that we've changed the structures of policing and all of that happened. But it also was what are companies doing and how are everyone started talking about what's happening with the diversity at our company? Why do, mm-hmm. is there underrepresentation? It was one of the first time, times that I've ever seen that where you see something that happens in the public sphere but then it's causing people to really react and want to see change and demand change internally. And I haven't, I haven't seen that in a really long time. I don't know if you have Allison or any of you here, but I think the two events happening so close was not just about something that happened outside of your life. It's something people want to know how it affected their lives and how their company was protecting them internally too. Mm, And I, I want to point out, I mean, this is not the first time we've had this discussion about diversity and, and inclusion, right? Like we've, we've been talking about this since God knows when, especially within this industry, but it does seem like this year there was a sort of a meaningful shift, right? We saw companies, uh, come out and recognize Juneteenth as a, as a company holiday, uh, paid company holiday. We saw, um, some, some, some of these places come out with, uh, initiatives to hire more women or to, to hire more people of color to even elevate, um, uh, people within the co- people of color within the company or and, and women, but like I said, but like I said, this is sort of something that we've seen before in the past where we've had this discussion. There's things that are put in place, and then we sort of revert back to the old mm-hmm. ways. What do you guys sort of see come coming out of this year, and 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 with all the events happening this year, do you see do you do you think that there would be that we're we're going to see more of a meaningful, ongoing, long term change uh, rather than something that's just for a moment and then everything sort of falls back in place. The best thing the internet did was coin the term performative. Like all of a sudden, (laughs) once people started and then all the, you saw it also with employees, with everyone saying that's performative, that's performative. I don't want performative. And and I'd heard that word before, obviously, but it it became the word. And I think that actually the fear of being seen as performative one, I'm sure there was a lot of companies that wanted to do great things, us included, regardless, right? But then once I think people got in their head that you can't just have a performative action, it really forced people to dig super deep and say, how do we actually address structural changes and barriers? And I think that's one of the reasons why, like for us, all the pledges that we made around that time, they all required changing the way that we did business, changing the way that we did things. This is Allison's World hiring, changing the way that we recruited, right? And that all takes work. Like we're in the process, we had a meeting today um, about a commitment that we made in June to make sure that it was still happening. Have we changed the right systems? What needs to happen next? And that's at least internally for our company, given it a really long tail, which is important. That's what you need, right? To have change, like we need to be the things that we promised in June, if they changed by October, you haven't made enough promises. Like you haven't changed enough. So Uh I think for us, the nature that the moment demanded to really reflect and figure out what were the changes needed at the company, if you're gonna actually do that, you need to still be talking about it 10 months, 12 months, 24 months later. Yeah. Well, it's been hundreds of years of in the making, right? And but and I, <laughs> yeah. it's, exactly. so you know it's not going to change overnight. But and I, I I think you know Ronald's point is like really really well made. And and I to you know your question about how do we make sure that this is something that continues and is ongoing and and is actually just not a flash in the pan because we did see this with Charlottesville. Right. We did yeah, see yeah. You know, there were people like companies that were making statements, and then yeah, here we are, twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And but I do, and I think you know what Rommel was talking to was this this reflection, which is essential. It's people and leaders it's, are taking stock of how did we get here? Like what is it mm-hmm. that like what? Why do we keep on coming back to the same spot? How, if we look around our organization, or if we look at the world in general, we look about mm-hmm. look at 
housing or the impact of COVID on communities of color. What is the, what, why is that? And having that education, and that's something that we spent a lot of time doing, and it's not, you know, the way that people often like to operate. We want to fix things, right? We want to make things better. The first thing that we needed to do was figure out, like, how, you know, educate ourselves. Like, we need to understand, like, what is it that we don't, what don't we know that we need to know so that when we put these pieces in place, when we make our pledges, when we put these programs together, that we understand why it's yeah. happening, why it's important, and what we need to have happen with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like, you know, we are seeing this industry shift with film and TV and, you know, for over like, like the new Hollywood podcast has been around for like 130 episodes. Pat yourself <laughs> on back. Um, uh, <laughs> um, and, you know, like we've been covering this for years. And I think there, there have been times when I've just been like, oh, man, it feels like we're just repeating ourselves over yeah. and over again. Um, and it gets exhausting and, you know, putting in that work. And I'm, I'm sure it, both of you, you know, know, know this as well. You know, and the, the industry, especially, you know, we've covered this before. The industry has, is oftentimes accused of exploiting moments for social impact, you know, like Black Lives Matter and using the pride flag, like, oh, for, for the month of June, we're gonna put the rainbow flag in our logo. And then after that, it like kind of disappears. Um, but yeah, and we, we talked about how uh, things have changed, but like more specifically in the film and TV realm, when, when representation has been this constant two steps forward, five steps back battle, um, how do you hope, and uh, Romo, you, you mentioned this about, you know, kind of coming back to your promise in June to now, but, you know, accountability is like, I think is something that a lot of us have overlooked when it comes to this diversity and inclusion conversation in film and TV, because the accountability, um, people don't hold themselves accountable. And also, you know, there's this, this whole thing about virtue signaling and, uh, 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 you know, managers or studios or TV shows and just anything in general, you know, virtue signaling versus authentic advocacy. So in that realm, how, you know, kind of being a little bit more specific to the industry, industry, I guess you would say, how do you y'all navigate that space? How, how, how have you seen that change since nine months ago? Yeah. Or has it even changed? Yeah. Yeah. Has it? Yeah. Has it even changed? I mean, I know like, the the like you know it's nothing's gonna happen overnight but you know i find myself like i find like i i find myself you know coming back saying you know oh i need to do this again like with the georgia runoffs right we are like during the the general election we were like oh yeah you know let's do this let's do this but now it's like all oh, since georgia isn't really me it's like oh, i find myself falling off of that 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 right, um, yeah. that 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 uh that bandwagon and i'm like oh i need to kind of just like be aware and all that but how is it like for y'all with uh being in this space being in a space that kind of almost you know it, it's it's a foundation of the industry um yeah how do you all how you so talk about that <laughs> <laughs> To answer the first part of your question on accountability, that is, I agree, that's something where I think the industry has benefited from not having a lot, to be mm. honest. Mm. Because also, it's it's because consumer demand is kind of very far away from the product in a lot of ways, right? Mm. Like who's behind the camera in a in when a movie gets created is very far away from the consumer who actually watches the movie, right? Mm. And we haven't consumers haven't actually demanded accountability 
in that sense in the ways that are fundamentally going to change the industry. They're looking very much on screen, but not necessarily into the nuances of why our industry isn't as diverse as, as it should be. But I think one of the things that came out of this kind of dual crisis that Allison alluded to of both the police brutality, social justice side, but also the general inherent underpinnings of, of racism or bias in our society is that there was a flood of cash into organizations or and organizations did it, it was it, corporations did it, individuals gave. So I am, I do feel more hopeful than in the past, like even look at the Time's Up movement, those organizations, yes, they had industry pledges, they didn't have consumer pledges. Mm. Like there wasn't necessarily a lot of money sustain like flooding into the organization in a sustainable way in a way that you look like an organization that we work both Alice and I work a lot with like color of change yeah right yeah. they got they got great funding from individual donors pe people giving small donors and not necessarily corporations but big institutions right mm. so I'm when I look at their change Hollywood initiative which we are very closely aligned with and work very closely with and I definitely recommend anybody to take a look they basically created a roadmap for the ways that Hollywood can um, address systemic racism. It's everything from how we interact with police to how we invest in black talent and careers, how we can tell authentic black stories um, and invest in black communities. So to me, if somebody takes that roadmap and adopts it, that would change the way that they were, they're operating in the system. But organizations like that who now have a little bit more fun, we still need to all be supporting these organizations, not like they're, they're good, it's over, but they, I even can see a tangible difference in the way that they're resourced to be able to actually exert the pressure needed to hold companies like ours, but also the industry itself accountable through more, through more public outing of areas where companies aren't holding up to their pledges or when they're creating content that's problematic. So I do think that on the accountability side, one, it's these organizations that need to do it. Uh, and number two, I do think ultimately it'll come down, unfortunately, to talent. Like our talent really willing to exert mm. their power. And it can't just be the inclusion rider, which we stand behind in a hundred percent, but it has to be figuring out how can talent where they are ensure that Th that every piece of their ecosystem is representative from their publicist and who they're pitching to when they're when there's a press junket um, or they're in a film who's the like who are the critics on that are they representative of the population mm, yeah, yeah. So who's below the line on their set who's on screen and talent moves this industry so that will be a big piece is figuring out and we're working hard to figure out how do we support our clients in demanding that across the whole ecosystem us and us included mm. Yeah, I have nothing Alice. to add. <laughs> what else is there to say? What she said, what she, what she just said. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's, it's like, it's so interesting when we read the, these like kind of like what Romola was saying about these roadmaps to kind of diversity and inclusion. And it's like, I think for a lot of people of color, queer people, disabled people, or you know, anyone who has been placed in the margins, it's not, not none of that is like all, oh, you know, it's like all that's stuff we've wanted all our lives. And it's like, why can't others see that? And I think that's where the frustration, you know, is. It's like all just be a decent human being. You know, that's that 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 that's the that, that's the thing. But you know, and I think everyone on this call, you know, um we have always been, I'm sure one time or other, all of us have been the only in the room, the only one in the room. And, and, and when you're the only one in the room in an uh, industry like Hollywood, it takes it to a whole other level. Um, 
but how have uh, Allison and Romola, how have you navigated that, navigate, navigated that in the past? And what keeps you motivated to continue to push against that uphill battle to move that needle forward in representation? Because for me, a lot of the times I'm just like, oh, fuck it. I don't, I can't anymore. Even within my own Asian community sometimes, I'm just like, oh, I just want to take a nap. I'm, I'm, I'm so tired. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it gets frustrating to the point where it's like, oh, if I don't do it, then no one will. And then we hold that burden. And I think it's, dare I say it's unfair um, <laughs> to, to, to hold that burden, but how have y'all navigated uh, that kind of space in the past? Well, first, you know, you're absolutely right. It's exhausting. I, you know, I think one of the things, it's exhausting, especially for people who are underrepresented and who are showing up in a place where they're sitting in rooms and meetings and where they are the one and only and they're the voice and then there's an expectation and mm -hmm. then you're representing an entire population, right? Mm -hmm. And that all in that the burden and what, and by the way, you're also a therapist in case you didn't know. Right? Yeah, so yes. <laughs> and so the what you know, the way that I because this is like the job that I signed up for, like I get to have really, I think really good, rich conversations with people who haven't had to be in that seat, who haven't under haven't sat there and create a, a deeper understanding of how they can be an ally. Because mm -hmm. and also when we're talking about, you know, the who's represented, who's in the writer's room, who are the, who's in a cast, like the idea of needing, of having one is what actually has, keeps us, sets us constantly back because mm -hmm. the burden of, and the pressure of the, the performance of, and that the burden of exceptionalism mm. we all have, yes. it requires us then to, it, it's, it's un, it is unfair. It's, I mean, there are a lot of things that are unfair, but that in, in itself, in and of itself, and so, my, you know, how I organize it is I actually, I do everything I can to not be the only one and to have others not be the only one. Mm. And there is, you know, there's a lot of space to create it's this, those opportunities. It's not a pie, right? If we have more people, it doesn't mean we get smaller pieces of pie. There actually is like, there's more, there's abundance yeah. right, of opportunity. If we think about it, we just have to think about it differently. So that's how I've been, that's how I navigate the, the, you know that in that space and making sure that you know we're and showing up for people who who are who are asked constantly yeah. about you know the um you know when they just want to work right just want to do your job you know i don't mm -hmm. want to like go into my most traumatic experience as like a young black girl right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I actually just want to write this memo <laughs> right. Tell us about your childhood before you before you get write this memo. <laughs> yeah, for me, what I try to do, and it's nearly impossible, as Allison says, Allison says, right? Like you're always going to feel this exhaustion. But for me, I think, luckily, in my seat, what I really try to focus on, I don't have to deal with the people. Really, Allison's the people person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking more of the systems because to me, one thing that you said in the introduction to the question was saying, I just want you to be a good person or something like that. Yeah. Like, just be a decent human. Yeah. And I think, and I don't think you meant this, but I think one thing that made, that made me think about was people think they're good people, right? Mm. But the systems that are causing oppression or the systems that are causing a lack of representation, those were created sometimes decades ago with intention. So it, 
like the system is working the way, like everyone says, the way it's supposed to. Mm -hmm. It's not an accident we've gotten here. So the way to change it to me is, yes, there's a lot of individual conversations that a lot of people, Alice included, have to have as part of their job. For me, I'm looking at what are the, where do we need to dismantle systems and mm. how can we put in policy procedures, structures to help it, You need both, right? Like that's why we like, you need both for sure. But for me, I try to take it out of the individual, like the, my personal and what are the systems that need to change? Like, for example, even looking at the way this is something our company worked on the diverse, the tax credit. So you mm. had in order to get a tax credit to do, um, to have a production, in California, you have to submit certain paperwork, you have to go through something credit. What if we could tie diversity metrics to that, right? What if in order for you to receive a tax credit from the state of California for filming in California, you had to ensure that both your crew, but also what was on the screen was representative of the city that you're filming in or the, or this, even the state that oh, you're dope. filming in, let's just say. And I'm just using it as an example of something that's been floated. There's a pilot happening right now um, where you just have to report it. You're not judged on it, but you at least have to know that you have a way to track it right now. And that's in California, that's happening in California. But all that to say is for me, what I try to do to stay sane is to think more about the structural things that need change rather than the interpersonal. Cause mm. to your point and all of your points, while mm. it needs to get done for sure, and we're all going to get sucked into it. Um, it gives me more grounding a little bit to try to focus on that too. I, I want to actually, I want to get your, you guys opinion on something because I, I know a lot of the times when we talk about diversity and representation, there's often many groups that are left out, right? I know like uh, Latin, you know, we're, we're still struggling with Latinx representation. Mm -hmm. We're still struggling with Asian representation, but it, it seems like, it seems like, you know, the, the fight is a bit siloed, right? Like it's like you, you sort of, you sort of are obviously the most important uh, people are the people that you look like or you relate to. But, I, and I don't know if this is a tall order, but do you guys see a way that maybe all the marginalized communities can sort of come together and Sort of be allies for each each other while still advocating for for our, our own groups well so first i that's that's a really excellent question and i think you know when rama was talking about systemic change and like how do we ensure that we are disrupting think the efforts that were in histor historical time history intentional mm -hmm. what are we what do we what do we need to dismantle and how what keeps people from thriving right what keeps us from having like being able to show up and you know my true belief, and I, I do I say this probably and you know way too often is that water raises all boats because if we're actually able to un, like earth like how it is that people what keeps people from becoming um, you know being able to work on a production or sit in a writer's room and be successful um, that helps everybody mm -hmm. and like that like every, everyone can benefit if we're like looking at like well you know what like we actually if there's an inclusion writer and we're like thinking about like all of the ways that there's exclusion. Right, like, what is that? That actually lifts all boats. Um, for the for the just how people can come together, you know, one of the things that we, you know, do certainly internally, but there are a lot of opportunities externally um, and organizations that are bringing people together who are, especially in the entertainment community, like, um, are, who are the ones and only often in the C-suite in their executive in their boardrooms and their, um, and in their, um, you know, script reading. Uh, meetings, there's, um, there are organizations that are really intentional about bringing um, 
all those voices together and harnessing it because we do need to advocate for more voice latinx voices and re representation mm -hmm. and there are all sorts of you know and there's a there's an infinite amount of work that's been done that's being done by you know there are i'm not going to name check because i always will forget people who are doing great work and mm -hmm. um, annoy and piss somebody off but mm -hmm. um the fact is like there are some really great efforts that are happening in hollywood right now around that but you're you know the importance of making sure that we're learning from each other yeah. and we're and we're leveraging and lifting up because if, if we get what Ramla just described right that's that's going to lift the, everyone mm -mm. and that is where like and that's what we need to we we do need to look at that we need yeah. to make sure that we're yeah. um organizing ourselves and and certainly looking at um uh systems that will that have been you know, made for a few to benefit a few. And we're like, you know, breaking that wide open to make it so that we can all have access and be successful. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's remembering what diversity means, right? I think sometimes you get stuck in whatever diversity of the moment means. Or yeah. Like where it's all black and white, right? If, yeah. Yeah. Like if we implement diversity, let's say, or we are successful in our quest for diversity at this company at Endeavor, let's say, and the whole senior leadership team is Indian women. Like that's not diversity. People might say that's a diverse candidate, which Allison actually really good explanation why you shouldn't say that. But like that's not diversity, right? It would be diversity if there's an Indian woman and a Latinx trans man yeah. and uh, all like, you can go down right. the list. Veterans, rural. I I talk a lot about um, geographical diversity in our industry, right? Mm. Like how, how hard it is for someone from. I don't even know Tuscaloosa is to get into our industry, like how yeah. hard it just all the barriers to overcome. So um, I think it's also one I, I agree with what Allison said is that all of these things that we're trying to implement, they benefit all underrepresented groups yeah. or less yeah. represented or historically marginalized, whatever the term of the moment is, mm -hmm. right? Like, and I would say they benefit like white folks too. I mean, if they benefit right. everybody, exactly. yeah, yeah. actually getting. Sorry, I'm eating. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> we like to eat on this podcast. So yeah, we like to. Don't, don't worry. <laughs> Talk about food eating. Like, yeah. <laughs> but it actually, it been, yeah, it absolutely benefits. You know, it it that when I mean all votes, I mean all votes. If we yeah. all figure it can like know that we're going to be valued on a set, if we're going to be treated well, we're going to have access and opportunity. Everyone, yeah. You know, everyone wins with that. Right. Yeah, I think I think that, that that's the thing is that I think a lot of people don't realize, let's just be honest, the industry and even this country was built on ideals by straight cisgender white men, privileged white men, mind you. And um, I think it's time to revisit that. It's been a couple hundred <laughs> years and I think we, we and, and it's so funny. I mean, no, no OK, let, I'm just going to say this. I was watching Mank on Netflix the other night. And then I was just like watching it and I was just like, oh, oh, it looks beautiful. And it kind of just reaffirmed the fact. And I was like, oh, so like, yeah, Hollywood's been white. And so I just like turned <laughs> and I'm like, no shade to that movie. I'm, I'm sure it's great. I mean, I was a little bit tired to, when I started it. So I was I mean, like, I'll, you know, I'll one, of the, <laughs> one of the very first films, right, that had national publicity. Do you know what it was? Like oh the one, I actually think it was the first one, but I'll say one of the first in case I'm wrong. Okay. It was Soul of a Nation. Like mm. our actual industry was based, like a commercial success. One of the first ones was an incredibly racist, racist harmful Exactly. Like it, it, that's like when I I read that the other day, I'm like, why don't we talk about that enough? Like 
our yeah. industry started like this in some it's, ways. And it's like, and it wasn't, honestly, it wasn't built for us, for, for, for marginalized communities. And like all, it, it feels like a lot of the time the industry is telling us, or before it was telling us, well, you should just be happy you have a seat at this table. And uh, like what you were saying before, Ramallah, about it's not just in front of the camera. There's a whole cycle of uh, of um, of um, of, uh, of marginalization that you know from from publicists, agents, managers below the line. It's like this whole cycle that every marginalized person gets affected, and it's just kind of fighting that battle. Like I said before, sometimes I'm just like, oh, I don't know anymore. I'm, just gonna, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm gonna take today off. <laughs> um, uh, but but um, you know, I, I just think if we don't do it, uh, no one will. Or if we don't look out for each other, like what what Amanda was saying, it's like I feel I am of that mind. If one of us wins, we all win. And it's like all it's just been recently that I have been trying to advocate for more indigenous stories. I have been trying to advocate for more disabled stories. And I, I love what Ramallah said about uh, geographic diversity because. Um, I, I'm happy that I am from Texas. Both Amanda and I are from Texas, and Texas is wildly different from California. And I've lived in small towns in Texas, and I've lived in like San Francisco and all that. So, kind of having those points of view helps, you know, yeah. not only like me culturally, but like with the way I see things. So, just wanted to talk about me for a moment. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like the, the final question is, is just like, you know, we know that you've mentioned Endeavor's doing a, a bunch of things to kind of just bolster inclusion, representation, and diversity. But 2021 is a reset year, right? Hopefully. Um, what can we expect? And uh, what, what is Endeavor looking to do in 2021 to help kind of just continue this fight and continue like just bolstering diversity. In terms of, I can give some of our programming. So one, I, I alluded to this, but we had, um, you know, partnered with Michael B. Jordan and Change Hollywood to, uh, and Color of Change on this Change Hollywood initiative. As part of that, we made about 32 commitments um, under that of ways that we were going to address, again, like I said, everything from our interaction with police, to investing in black careers, to content and storytelling um, and investing in the black community. So we put ourselves on a one-year deadline to hit those 32 um, in a meaningful way. Obviously, the work will never end. Um, so I, we had, a, I, like I said, we had, we had meetings all week and we're really on track to hit those. So that will be amazing. And, try, and also a big part of that is rolling out resources for the rest of the industry along with Color of Change. So our revamped inclusion rider, updated ways that talent can work with media and, and promote diverse journalism. Um, mm. They have a lot of databases that they're rolling out to cultural consultants, et cetera. So that all you can look for. Um, and definitely I would thought, I think Color of Change is doing some of the best work in this space in the entertainment industry. So encourage everyone to check them out. For us, um, there's another program on our end is we've been looking at how do we take a more proactive role in recruiting? So it's not enough to just say like, oh, we don't have enough candidates of color. We don't, there's not enough people applying and even honestly, people applying, but how do you actually work to make sure they have the tools to succeed once they're here, or even just to mm. get here? Um, so we have a number of programs where we've been trying to, on behalf of the whole industry, not just our company, but what, how can we do more? And the, and the proliferation of digital, especially everything moving to digital this year has helped accelerate. So we have a number of programs, two of them um, that we ran this one this summer, which was 42 hours of industry education programming all for free that students um, 
can access. So they learned, they heard from like Ari Emanuel, our CEO. They heard from like people like Marshawn Lynch about his business around being a football player. Um, Malcolm Gladwell talked about passion and curiosity, for example. Jay Shetty did one on mindfulness and, and mental toughness. So anyway, so that's a program that we did this summer that we're going to continue um, multiple times this year. So creating programs that are free for students, targeting diverse students that are diverse from multiple parts of the country, um, anywhere actually in the world, mm -hmm. um, to learn about this industry, the ins and outs, and be motivated to actually enter it, but with a sense of purpose of what they want their career to be once they get here. Mm -hmm. um, so those are two programs on our end that I think would be very cool. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, so the thing that's actually been really interesting, as crazy and chaotic as 2020 has been, and you know, I cannot wait for it to be in the rearview mirror. The, uh, there's a lot of like practice, like ways that we were able to um, really get to creative and um, more expansive with what we were able to do. And so hopefully some of that will hang over. I mean, I think, you know, what Ronald built with the summer series, like that was just, you know, she made lemons that lemonade out of lemons, right? Like, just like, this is, you know, how do we make sure we're bringing people together? And I think the, the response rate and the participation was something we never could have done. I don't think, maybe you could have in person yeah right we had over uh 12,500 students from nice. yeah. education programming and like complete classes these are kids that are spending their weekends like taking classes about the industry so, like the, the appetite is there we no. did a program similar to it around fashion week so for the fashion industry 30 percent latinx um mo most people were between the ages of 16 and 20 so like the 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 industry can be diverse like we know that they're out there how are we as like stakeholders in the industry giving people like the tools to actually get here and succeed like that's what we need to work on but we know they're out there like they're mm. there they're hungry they're passionate and they're they're ready Good. sorry i think i interrupted you <laughs> <laughs> I, know, oh, like, I got excited you got excited about my throat to you but i was excited about what you were you know the work that you were, you had done and so you know we're more of that really like building out and making creating spaces where what we're what we learned is that there people are every everywhere in every corner there are people who are interested in being part of this industry, being part of the, our company we know. And so what are we, how do we make sure that we continue to, like we're going to, what we're going to do is make sure that we create, continue to have those platforms where people will be able to um, show up. Yeah. Even if they're not sitting in LA or New York City. Mm. And so this is really, you know, and it's again, being really intentional about creating inclusive platforms and practices so that we are getting the people who want to be in it have a chance yeah that's all i mean all, all we want is a chance right that's all we're asking yeah think, um, yes yeah just, but, like, just just be nice just be a good person wash your hands <laughs> be nice <laughs> and dismantle systemic racism yes. there you go that <laughs> too to a not a non-racist 2020 non-racist non-homophobic non-transphobic non-hate like non-hate 2021 guys, because but, because you know what we've had it we <laughs> have yeah well thank you guys so much for thank for you all so this was amazing yeah and i and i really can't wait to see what you guys have in store for the future yeah yeah absolutely we'll keep you updated yeah and yeah. thank you for <laughs> for for being in your spaces and doing yeah. what y'all do exactly yeah. thank you guys <laughs>
our yearly of 2020, wrap yeah. up. Of 2020. Yeah. Did I say last? Like yeah, last yeah. ever? Of 2020, yeah. <laughs> of 2020. Um, well, in case you don't know, my name is Dino Ray Ramos. Oh, and I'm Amanda Anduka, and we have a special guest with us, our <laughs> producer. <laughs> By the way, Amanda, in the um, in the conversation that you guys had uh, in this episode, you also said that this was the last episode of New Hollywood, and oh, I don't want anybody to think like we're canceled. Yeah. Oh, no, it was the end. Yeah. This is the end uh, of the year. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. the end of this trash year. Um, you know, that's not the, the yeah, it's trash. Um, but no, it's like this is our end of the year episode. You know, David joins us usually, so and you know, he's he, David's with us in each episode. He just never talks. Yeah, so, he, this is the episode we let him talk. <laughs> <laughs> I've talked in a few episodes, and then I usually cut myself out. Yeah, afterwards. you usually do. Yeah, I, like sometimes I remember. Well. I guess when we were, we were, uh, I don't want to go into that one. <laughs> that was, oh, no. I said something embarrassing. Oh, wait, I remember like the Utkarsh episode. Uh, this yeah, I took myself one. out of that a lot. <laughs> no, I think the Utkarsh episode was really fun because really you did yeah. this screenshot shit and that was so funny. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, but yeah, this episode, we just like talk about what we liked about this year. <laughs> And I say that with a lot of laughter. Yeah, it was very, yeah, it was very hard to to think about. <laughs> but it, it, I don't know about y'all, but like a lot of mine, a lot of the things that I like happened during quarantine. Well, actually, this whole year has been. He's gonna say we've been in the quarantine for like a whole year. But anyways, why don't you? Why don't you just start us off? Yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna start off because um, I've been. I, I'm just gonna start off hot. I'm gonna start off hot with um with Lovecraft Country because I oh I seriously think that this show is like one of my faves of all time because just of the, it combines everything I love and I'm not just saying because we had Journey on um mm -hmm. she's she's awesome um but it combines like sci-fi horror thriller social awareness and you know just really dope actors and uh kind of this very inclusive story. I, I, and I love retelling of history or like yeah. altered history, um, yeah. uh, like revisionist history, I guess you would say. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think just the way what Misha Green did with that show, um, I, I just adored it. Like, I think it's so fun, it's so thoughtful and it's scary. And it each episode was like a short film for me and I loved it. Um. Yeah. So, I mean, basically, like, I mean, I guess we should probably tell people, like, this episode, we like to sort of recap things that we've liked, yeah. moments that have stood out for us, um, especially, obviously, the podcast is all about diversity and inclusion and mm. representation. We had this really great conversation with, um, with, um, um, Tutu. Allison Williamson and, right. um, yeah. <laughs> Romola uh, Ratnam from, uh, Endeavor. Yeah. Endeavor. Endeavor. That they, yeah. yeah. So, so we, we kind of like talked about, you know, um, sort of things that we've seen this year that has, that has bolstered, um, representation, um, and things that we hope to see from, uh, next year. And I want to say, I really, obviously a lot of stuff didn't come out. I mean, in terms of film, a lot of stuff wasn't really released this year because of the pandemic. So we didn't get to see a lot. Yeah. I'm looking forward to, but I, I would say that one, one of the, one of the titles that stood out to me, actually two, um, was Hollywood, which was, was not mm. um, Netflix. And it was the five bloods, which was also on Netflix. Mm. Oh yes. Uh, yes. Uh, Chadwick Boseman's, uh, uh, and, um, I can't even think of names. It's Spike Lee. Delroy Lindo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah Spike yeah, Lee yeah. movie on Netflix. But those two movies, I mean, I 
like, you know, it's really hard to get, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you've seen, right? We watch a lot of stuff because of what we do. And it's, 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 it's really like, I guess it's becoming less of an occurrence to get excited about something, but no. I don't know yeah, because... about these yeah. two projects. I think that they just sort of gave us you know what especially with hollywood this revisionist history of, of hollywood and how what, what it could have been if, if it was more inclusive um and i just really i just really liked it it was it was yeah. fun pretty like it was very stylish i i really really enjoyed enjoyed it yeah and i think that goes with like kind of just they, i think we could probably group like lovecraft um the five bloods and even yeah. hollywood all in that kind of this this uh uh, uh kind of genre i don't even know if you want to call it genre but it's like when he said hollywood and and, and the five bloods i was like wait those came out this year yeah, it's, it's <laughs> yeah it's, no but i i do i i do agree with you it's like oh we consume so much content as as, as journalists as entertainment journalists that it's hard to get excited. So it's like, if something gets excited, then you know it's good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's like, uh, <laughs> if you work at an ice cream shop and you're scooping ice cream all day, the last thing you want to do is go home and eat ice cream. Right. Yeah. Even as good as it is, yeah. you don't want to eat it. But Especially when you're doing it for work and not necessarily for like, you know, I mean, I guess you could you could always do both, but it's a, it's a different it's a different sort of experience when you when you when you have yeah. I don't know about y'all, but like when you guys watch stuff, do you feel like you're working all the time? Like, oh yeah, yeah. I always I take notes while I watch, and I like I rewind, I rewind a bunch of times. Like, it's, it's even if you don't, even if you're not covering it. No, no, no. Oh, I mean, no, no. Yeah, even if I'm not covering it, because for some reason I always think that what if somebody asked me to cover this one day, and I'm like, oh, oh my god, god. yeah. It's, 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 it's like that's I, I think like it and I want to do an interview I'm like let me just take notes. yeah exactly like and I think that's why I love revisiting old shows because I'm like oh okay I know I won't have to write anything on yeah, the first like on Parks and Rec or The Office yeah. or or all the seasons of America's Next Top Model which <laughs> I'm watching right now David what 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 stood out to you yeah here? yeah David uh are we going through like tv movies or just saying something anything or anything or even anything even, even like a moment yeah, even like I a moment. Like moments we can talk about that too. I mean, I don't know about a moment. I, the probably my favorite thing that I watched on TV this year, which our uh, former guests of ours was the second season of Pen Fifteen. Uh, oh oh yes, yes. That one yet. Yeah. Again, I forgot that came out this, this year. I know it's been a while now, but it was so funny and so emotional. And I, it was, yeah, yeah, the last, I think it was three episodes, like the last half of the season were all about the two of them doing a play uh, at their middle school. <laughs> and it was insanely relatable. Like they have been able to capture middle school and high yeah. school in that age so well. It's so impressive. Yeah. yeah. I need to watch that. I remember, I see, I remember seeing it come out and I just, I just was like, oh, Pen15. And I, and I, it's a, I, I just forgot, but I, that's, that's definitely on my list. Another good show was Woke. I don't know if you guys watched Woke. Yes. I, I loved Woke. Um, it yeah. was on Hulu. Um, that was that, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny because, you know, this, I feel like, I feel like this, not, it's not funny, but I feel like this year, you know, it, it's sort of like, I was like curious about what was going to happen with content when it when, when this pandemic happened like I don't know if like a lot of shows were be were, were going to be able to be filmed or if we're, if we're, if we're going to be able to like see a lot which we obviously we didn't 
but like I, I I don't know I felt like a lot of the stuff that came out this year was actually really really good I mean most yeah, yeah. stuff obviously because we didn't get to see a lot of film stuff but I was like I was really impressed with like our this the, the tv or series selections of of this year especially with the, the streamers I yeah they're doing really well do you think that if we weren't in like a pandemic we think differently about a lot of these so. um, shows or, or we won't have i know for me i was able to watch a lot because of the pandemic because we weren't traveling this year we weren't going to events so i really i really took like i went through all the streamers and i was like let me just see what all these streamers have to offer and i was like this is actually really good good like i, I apple tv had some really good stuff on mm -hmm. it um hbo max despite what Chris yeah. says but okay <laughs> it was christopher nolan needs to like Chris, christopher nolan needs to calm down i actually <laughs> liked the selections on there i was just watching flight attendant earlier today like it's like i don't know I'm, i was really I, I was kind of like you know what's gonna happen all these streamers decided to come out which is another moment we can talk about because it was yeah. like this, this year that every, all these streamers are gonna come out and we were all like oh it's gonna be this like who's going to like come out on top and it's I think HBO Max is actually pulling ahead. I honestly, I'm, I'm not going to lie. But you did have a casualty <laughs> which was Oh, Quibi. <laughs> which okay, for the that record. Was for me too. <laughs> for the record, I I was in Quibi's corner. Like I was like I was a cheerleader for Quibi for a while and then it came out. And then I was like, wait, what's going on here? Because they had some really good stuff on, well, the, like the one, I think if they leaned more towards unscripted, it would have worked a lot, lot better. That's just my, because I love the Sasha Valor. Sasha Valor won um, season, I forgot what season of Drag Race. They had this wonderful docu-series following, she has this show called Nightgowns, um, and they followed a queen in every episode in their journey for this big, kind of performance they do every night and I was interested like five minutes and I was just like oh that's cool but no they, they had these it, it just I just didn't feel like they marketed it right if I'm being I think Quibi is a perfect example of how things would have been different if there wasn't a pandemic because their whole selling point was trying to replace the amount of time you spend on your small screen and because everybody yeah. was home and watching things on their big screen they mm. weren't able to kind of move in on that yeah. yeah. They yeah. weren't like the, people weren't commuting. People yeah. weren't like, you know, doing whatever you do. Because yeah. I think the only instance I think of people who would watch Quibi would be like if you're on a subway or, yeah. you know, um, and nobody maybe was on a plane. On the subway for yeah. A yeah. I mean, RIP Quibi. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Quibi. I was in your corner for a while, yeah. but. <laughs> don't get maybe all those i don't i mean i'm just i kind of feel bad for all those people like the content creators and the people that work for quibi hopefully hopefully they they all land on their feet. well yeah i think i had i had a friend i think because they were buying everything yeah it was they like, were. I, I was like announcing shit all over the place and and then all this and then one of my friends i think uh her, her name is otsuko she's a comedian she like I think uh, Quibi bought her like she has this live show a com comedy show and I think they bought it and they like dropped it as you know just with the quickness it, it's mm -hmm. kind of crazy yeah um, but, but uh, uh, yeah but like I said hopefully all those all those because they had really some really interesting things that were coming up so hopefully you know all of those people they, yeah. have a place to land but um, 
But no, that's that's yeah. something that obviously really to me stood out because I Quibi was you know made into this huge deal. It was this huge undertaking, investing a lot of money and a lot of yeah, money. And it's and like it, crazy. And they had like a lot like then Oprah and Steven Spielberg. They they had like a lot of really like, big um, filmmakers that were gonna be on there. So so that was that was pretty interesting that happened. I have to say though, also um I was very one thing that obviously you you cannot forget about with this year was with, with all the with all the protest and everything that were ha was happening with the Black Lives Matter movement. We talk about it a lot in uh, on the on the podcast. Um um we saw like you know what what I was sort of I guess not um, not maybe impressed on the not the right word but hopeful about was sort of the responses that I was seeing from from these big companies like like studios and and uh, and um, networks all like acknowledging like Juneteenth, acknowledging mm. Black Lives Matter, even sports. We saw like um, who's the who's the football commissioner? What's his name again? I have it in. My, I don't want to like I don't want to like say his name wrong. It's a now. Yeah, Goodell. Okay, that's what it was. Oh, that dude. Yeah, but that. I wasn't sure. But anyways, like seeing him talk about like, you know, we were wrong about um, how they sort of treated um, Colin Kaepernick um, when he was kneeling and stuff. So I don't know. I, I, I'm really hopeful that like this, this year kind of seemed like a real like marked turning point, especially when it mm -hmm. comes to issues like that. So I'm hoping that like a lot of, I mean, I know and lot, you, you saw that these like agencies, like they, they appointed a, a couple of the students appointed like black women as head of film. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, a, a We're seeing a lot of that. I think yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm hopeful about that, you know, like maybe. I think yeah, I mean, it's it's clearly. I mean, I'm not gonna like mince words there. I think it's we see a lot of companies. It's clearly a response to right, exactly. what's been going on. It's like, oh, we need to pay more attention. I have a, a kind of love hate relationship with the response because it's like, all it took a pandemic and the murder of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and numerous other Black people for you to do this. Yeah. Um, but and it's like it's it. I, it's like a like looking at it from that perspective, I I always like I'm like oh, oh that's good, but I'm like oh but is it you know that kind of thing? It, it's weird. It's it, it's this weird relationship I have. It's like yeah, I joke a lot of the time that the industry's trash, but <laughs> um, but I, I I appreciate you know that what's been going on. Yeah. And I think I asked one person once, uh, like uh, some panel I did uh, uh like virtually uh, about. Uh, virtue signaling and you know we see a lot of that and then someone made a good point and they're like oh I think virtue signaling is good because then we could hold people accountable for what they were saying yeah so I think you know I I, I like how I like the way that they um frame that instead of me being like this kind of <laughs> Debbie Downer and like angry Asian man coming in saying no no you know waving my fist and wagging my finger because I don't want to be that way oh I I want to be, I don't want it to get to that point because, you know, um, I, I, I totally, you know, get it, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I think, I hope, like this year was just growing pains, like a lot of growing pains. And, you know, it sucks that we can't be in our studio together and go, <laughs> go to our office. Uh, but, you know, um, I'm glad that we were able to kind of continue this, you know. I remember in the beginning of this, we were like, oh, I will be back in the studio soon. <laughs> And no, that's not happening. Um, but no, going back to the streamers, it's like, 
I, I am like kind of obsessed with HBO Max and just because of what they're doing and what they announced that they're going to put all their 2021 titles yeah. on the streamer, which is wild. And it's, I think, I don't know if Netflix and, and like Hulu and all them will follow suit or if like big if Disney, Disney's the one, you know, as we talk right now, there's an investor uh, thing going on where they're supposed to announce a lot of things. Um, because by now, I think if there wasn't a pandemic, we would have already seen Black Widow. We would have already seen the Eternals. And um, it's, it's going to be wild. But no, going back to HBO Max, I think one of the moments that I love is the Fresh Prince reunion. <laughs> um, that show, in like retrospect, I think, I never realized what, what how good that show was, and you know, you know, it's fun, but it's like all oh, we, you know, watching it as an adult, you're just like oh wow, you know, we never really seen an affluent fam black family like this, and we haven't seen these these kinds of issues tackled within the comedic frame, still be funny but also thoughtful. Um, but and then also just the whole reunion surrounding Uncle Phil, his death. It was oh god, and then and, and then Janet Hubert and seeing the reunions of the or seeing the two Aunt Vivs meet for the first time, and 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 Will Smith and Janet uh, uh, reconciling, yeah. whether or not that was staged or whatever, I don't think it was because I felt an authenticity there. But I loved it, and that was a moment for me. Yeah, that was that was really. I I, I told I texted you out. Like, yes, <laughs> I'm like wrecked. That was that was definitely a highlight. Um, I'm trying to think what else um, is is happening. You know, I honestly, to, truth be told, like, yeah, there, this was a pandemic um, and, you know, we were all forced to, but it was, you know, it was kind of nice to have this time to reflect, right? Like we, mm. we were, it wasn't the usual hustle and bustle of, of having, like I said, we weren't traveling as much, going to festivals, going to these award shows. Um, not like, I mean, they were still happening, but we had this like time to really, think about like things and things that, that were happening with us and just and just also like just like settle down a little bit because it, I mean it's I don't know that's something that really has stuck, that stuck, stuck out to me I do miss you guys and I do miss being out and yeah. about but I really I really did appreciate um and I guess sticking to the positive of this year I appreciated having like downtime and then also having yeah. my, like my 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 family so um, hope, I mean, I'm, I'm ready to be back out there. I'm ready for things to start up and that's what I'm looking forward to for next year, but you know. Yeah, and it's like, no, I, I appreciate that downtown too, but you know, and I think, you know, uh, you know, a lot of us are fortunate and, you know, we're still yeah. working and we, we, we have a quarantine bubble uh, or, or whatever. I, I finally started to hang up pictures on my wall that I've been meaning to do for five years. And I finally, you know, it, I do like kind of this kind of sense of quietness. And um, it's going to be weird when things start to really re like pick up yeah. and when premieres start happening and festivals start happening. And like, I'm very curious in how we're going to interact. And um, I think some people are a little bit more reckless than others. Um, but uh, I am looking forward to the day where we don't have to worry anymore, yeah. you know, and, and, and where we can go to a premiere and eat the free food and, <laughs> and, and, or just like be in our deadline studio at Sundance, you know, as much as we are, we wake up early all those mornings in the cold and whatever. I mean, I know it won't happen this year, but 
there's some there's i think uh there there's a there's a great sense of fun that we all have together when we're yeah. there you know yeah. i i share a room with david and scott and, and andrew and they really like me snoring so i appreciate <laughs> that <laughs> but uh yeah um yeah i agree with you there uh oh david you have do you have a, anything that uh You're another thing yeah or looking forward to or that you like this year I uh, am not a fan of what HBO Max is doing. Oh my uh, god! Hot take. Oh, you mean the um the putting all their slate on um the twenty twenty one slate. Okay. You're not looking for that. <laughs> I'm not. I think Disney Plus is doing it the right way. You know, if you take a look at uh, Marvel, they've got their movies and they have oh. their TV series. And they're holding on to those movies before they're able to actually show them in theaters. And then they'll have the TV series to show. I know WandaVision's coming out soon. Mm. Falcon and Winter Soldier, I think, is almost done. So you can have the television portion come out on the streaming platform and then save your movies like Dune and The Matrix. Oh, yeah, yeah, that makes I mean, sense. I, I don't want to see The Matrix on a small screen. I want to see it in but a you don't theater. Have to. Yeah, I mean, I think you'll be able to. I know, but, <laughs> but, but here's the thing. The reason, one of the things I love about seeing in the theater is, you know, when we saw Endgame, it was mm -hmm. so exciting to be sharing it with like a group of people yeah. who had yes, all yes, seen yes, yes, the yes, 22 yes. movies that had, you know, led up to it. And with The Matrix, it's going to be the same situation where there are people who love these movies, who saw them when they were kids, and now they're in a whole theater full of people who are uh, also seen and being nostalgic for it. And I don't want to lose that because half the theater is empty because people are at home watching it for free on their small mm, TV. Yeah. So I, I just want them to hold on to the TV experience. I feel you. To the film experience. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, think, yeah, I do think that, I mean, they're doing the day and date thing, which is great, right? But I do no, like- No, 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 they're doing it. They're doing it. You, they don't, don't they have, it's going to be on, it's going to be on HBO Max for like 30 days, right? And then they're going to take it off and put it strictly- I thought it. I thought it was day and date. Like it's like drop. It's day yeah, and it's date. Day right? and date. Yeah, and then after thirty days, it'll go off of HBO Max. Oh, but at that point, okay. the first thirty days is when most people see movies right. in the theaters yeah. anyway. Yeah. So, because yeah. like something like Dune, I honestly want to watch in the theater. Something like Matrix, I want to watch. Yeah, so I wanted to watch. I wanted to watch. Yeah, but I'll watch it at home. But I'll let me still ask go watch you guys. It let me ask you guys this: Since you're, are you going to be back in theaters by next year? Me. Not until <laughs> I said me, and you said I want to ask you guys. Um, I'm probably gonna wait until summer okay. uh, of next of 2021, and, and then it's not for sure, but I'll yeah. see where we're at. You what know about you, that David? kind of thing. I think these Democrats are all this mask <laughs> is a hoax, and I my rights are infringed. No, I'll go back when Anthony Fauci says it's safe. To yeah, go. yeah, there you go. That's I, a good I answer. I cannot wait to stop. Like this is I can't wait to stop having to talk about masks, to talk about social distancing. Yeah. Like I like that's what I'm looking forward to. Like I'm I'm so over this. <laughs> I mean, I think I'm I, not, I, I, yeah, I can work out. I'm not over it. It's like everybody is, like, but it's like I'm looking forward to that. Like literally. yeah, but yeah, I, I I hope. I mean, I like I like David. I love going to the theater. I you know even though we sometimes we get to go to movies for free because that's yeah. what we do, but sometimes I'll go watch it again and pay. And, yeah. and you know, it, it, and then like I think we're not we're in this business because we love film and yeah. uh, and it's an experience. Like remember what when we fucking watched Endgame at the premiere, that was 
That so was a good. Moment. Yeah, that was a moment. We were we were sitting behind. Who were we sitting with? Matt Damon and Kevin yeah. Hart, which yeah. a weird combo. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they brought their. I think they they brought their kids. Brought their right? kids. Like, yeah. Kevin was with the yeah, yeah. I can't wait. I mean, honestly, I I don't mind. I can't wait to do like I I just I just can't wait for human interaction again. Like yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. like I, I can't wait for it to be able to do this stuff again. Um, I'm just, I'm trying to think what, like, what else is, is, ha I mean, everything is still up in the air right now. So we, we don't even know what to expect for next year. Like, it's like, I know they're scheduling all these things to happen. Like they scheduled Oscars, they've scheduled for, I mean, I think they're, they're planning for, um, in-person, not, not Sundance, but maybe after Sundance with the festivals, they're, pl they're planning for in-person attend attendance now. And, and so I, I, I mean, I'm hopeful, hopefully that, but even this year, I remember speaking to like people that were having uh, festivals that were going to be close to the end of the year and like, oh, we're just going to move it to October and November. Like we, we, we think that everything is going to be like open again and people are going to be ready. to. So, so obviously that didn't happen. So we don't know what's going to happen. We could be in this. I mean, I, if you listen to the news, we're supposed to be in this for another year or so. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll see, but I'm, I'm, I mean, we have a new regime coming in next year. Uh, yeah. Like, you know, yeah. Uh, the I'll say something I'm looking forward to is one of the things Obama said when he was campaigning for Biden was, if Biden wins, you won't have to think about the president every day. You know, I feel like so much of this year was spent watching yeah. news I think, and yeah. clips and reading Twitter. And I'm looking forward to next year, just having that not be a thing. Yeah, it's like a, it's like, it's kind of like a whole set it and forget it thing. It's like, oh, we always talked about 45. I, I, I hate him. Uh, <laughs> um, um, and, yeah. and it's like, oh, he, he took up so much real estate in our yeah, lives he did, he did. and we gave him so much energy. And if you notice now, he's not tweeting as much. It's, it's not peaceful. He, he, he is still tweeting a lot. But we're, but we're, well, we're not covering it as much. Yeah, there you go. We're yeah, not covering. Yeah. Well, because like that just shows. It's like oh, I'm not paying attention to him yeah, as much because I know he's. I mean, yeah. he's not the president anymore. So. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, um, so we're looking to forward to a new administration. I mean, I, my, you know, but we're not going to sit around and just let bite. Like, we're, hopefully, we're, we'll come back to a. A, a, a country to where we keep our leaders accountable for the things that they do. And it seems like we're going to with Biden. Um, and I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm, I can't wait to stop talking about like, like having to quarantine, having yeah. to wear masks. Like it's, it would be nice yes. just to be I mean, like, maybe I'll just continue wearing masks. And, like, <laughs> you can. Fun. But it'll I mean, be like, place, right? Because, like, yeah, it's like it's like oh, I, I I'm on this new jumpsuit kick. I bought yeah. two jumpsuits and I wore it with a mask. And one of my friends was like, oh, you look like a cool ninja. So yeah. I was like, oh, maybe that's my new look for 2021. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, oh, but yeah. So just to wrap, um, yeah. like we this year was exciting in in many ways. Um, we I feel like we learned a lot. Um, and I, and I want to thank everybody that has yeah early listeners yeah, yeah and our listeners and 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 everything that, that that I've been enjoying this podcast. I mean we don't I mean we are we have a couple of people that were like guests that we're you know for next year that are exciting yeah, yeah. that we're working on. So I mean hopefully you guys will tune in again and we also have a really good talk right with right after this. Um, oh no, it was before this. I mean before. Sorry. <laughs> oh never mind. So anyways, um, so yeah. anyways no, yeah. stay tuned for yeah. for, for next yeah. year. <clears throat>
And also, you know, I, I do want to like, I know like we're, we're wrapping up here, but I, I, I just want to mention like just like a couple of other kind of things that I, I enjoyed this year, uh, just like to like rattle them off. I mean, I can't stop talking about Saved by the Bell, the reboot. If you guys aren't watching that, it's just so much fun, so irreverent, so self-aware and inclusive. And I just enjoyed that shit so much. It made me laugh and like... I haven't had that much joy in a reboot. Like, I think that's a reboot done right um, yeah. or revival done right. Exactly. Um, and also we, you know, we just recently had Riz, Riz Ahmed on. I love Sound of Metal, one of my favorite of the year. Uh, once Minari comes out, I think everyone should watch that as well. I mean, uh, 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 Stephen Yun, friend of the podcast, he came uh, on the podcast, was it last year for Burning? Was it Burning last year? Was Burning two years ago? I think it was two years ago, yeah. 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 Uh, both those movies, uh, I mean, like, I think, I would, when we were doing this, I was like, oh, what movies did I watch this year? I, yeah. <laughs> I <don't, laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't know. And so, um, but it's, 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 I, I think it was a good year for entertainment, but was very different. It very, was very different. Very different but, yeah. Like I said, like you said, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of, I think there was a lot of good things that came out and they're still going to come out like Sylvie's Love that's coming out. Yeah. Um, I think Christmas Day, we yeah. have- um, um, We have a Wonder Woman uh, 1984 is coming out. Oh, ooh, ooh, the, the August Wilson. Um, oh, um, Ma Rainey. Ma Rainey, yes. Which uh, I actually, I did see a screening. Oh, I haven't God. seen it yet. It was good, it was oh, good. It's just Viola Davis. Yeah, I, I, I've been watching clips and I'm like, this is a different Viola that I've ever yeah. seen. Uh, Viola, uh, and also R.I.P. Chadwick. Um, yeah, uh, we oh did it. Uh, we, we, we did a yeah. we did a very brief episode, or like kind of a, an episode dedicated to him. We don't know what's going to happen with Black Panther, but you know that's whatever. It's more about like oh, we lost someone so yeah. good and um, uh, uh, talented. So and he, he's so strong because he was filming while he was suffering. But yeah, yeah so R.I.P. to him, and I, I'm. I'm pretty confident he is going to get a posthumous uh, uh, nomination for his role in Ma Rainey. So when that yeah. comes out, I think Christmas Day, a lot of stuff is coming out, right? Yeah, well, yeah. it always comes out on Christmas. Yeah, Wonder Woman. Like, like Wonder, Wonder Woman, Woman 19, which... Have you seen people, it? No, no, people have seen... Okay, people saw it in the theater. There were screenings at IMAX. I think there was like a socially distant press screening or whatever, because I saw people uh -huh. tweeting about it. Influencers, bullshit, whatever. Um, <laughs> I hope, oh, also I hope this is the end. This <laughs> we, We're seeing the end of celebrity culture and influencer culture in the near future. Yeah. That's a whole I'm other conversation. <laughs> uh, but um, no, Wonder Woman, people have seen it already and they're saying it's pretty good. So okay. um, well, uh, we have I, all I that. Gal Gadot and she's she's cool and Patty Jenkins but yeah there's a lot there's a lot to look forward to in the next couple uh, yeah. uh the remaining of yeah I'm I'm excited to see to see what's gonna happen after this year honestly I think I think this year is going to really bring about meaningful change so hopefully yeah. I'm not eating my words next year yeah. but yeah you know. and we're at the forefront of it yeah that's what I want to say <laughs> I want to rattle off two other things that I love okay, this okay, year. Okay. One of which is one of those things you were talking about with the pandemic, where I think it would have been great no matter what, but because of the pandemic, people weren't going out to the movies, people were looking for stuff to watch. And The Queen's Gambit, I thought, was like, uh, spectacular. And I guess one of Netflix's top 
viewed shows ever, yep. yeah. uh, which is crazy for a period piece about a woman playing chess. Playing ch yeah, yeah, right. But that's what, that's, that's part of like, I, I think, I mean, it's, it's exciting to see this type. I mean, it's a great, it was a great, great, great show. And it's exciting to see these types of things getting recognition. Mm -hmm. um, and I just think we're going to see, I think I we're going to see more of it. I haven't seen it yet, but yeah, everyone keeps really on good. telling me to watch it. But I am enjoying kind of the memes that are coming out of that because there, I guess there's a scene where she's like playing chess or whatever, but they're replacing the chessboard with different games. Like there's one with her playing Connect Four instead of <laughs> chess. <laughs> and I thought that was funny, but apparently it's really good. Everyone, yeah. everyone is a- uh, um, I, re I recommend it, it's good. Yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, was there another one? Yeah. Yeah, the last one is, it came out earlier this year and it really could have been a movie because it was so short. It was just four episodes, but Unorthodox, I oh. thought was- Oh, God, yes. That, yeah, I, I, I did I did our whatever panel for it. I think it was our, some virtual panel for it. That, that, uh, yeah. that So that saved. panel wasn't fun to edit, but- <laughs> <laughs> The show is great. There was a yeah. lot of technical issues with the star because I think she was like coming she was in like from in, Israel. Yeah, and the creators were coming in from Berlin, and then yeah. you're in and from I, LA. LA. Yeah, yeah. I remember it was it was a little bit wonky, but um, the, the star. Oh, what's her name? She's like Shira Haas. Shira Haas. There you go. She's like. This is going to be so much shade. So forgive me. Uh, she's kind of like Millie Bobby Brown, but. 2.0 like she's so good in 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 unorthodox it's just i i loved her and she's okay, like i'll watch that one yeah, I, i'll watch you watch that i'll watch i'll finally watch queen's gambit yeah <laughs> just because david um, you watch um <laughs> i mean there's a lot david, that you guys mentioned i need to watch ma rainey that was already on my list though yeah um, yeah yeah I don't know. I think no. that's out Christmas Day, or is it out already? Maybe it's out. no, it's out already, right? I think I think, I think it just came out, yeah. or it's not, or it's going to come out soon. I know it's like by the end of the year. It's one of those things. Like all of these things are like being released for a theatrical award for award season. Like Minari comes out this week, or whenever we're recording this, it comes out for a one week, you know, ex uh, exclusive. Or they do a virtual cinema thing because rules have changed. Yeah. Again, all of like this pandemic, everything is changing the way we uh, 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 in, or like film and box office works. And I've been seeing that with like doing the specialty box office stuff. Um, it, it's it's crazy. And like the numbers are low, but they're not. It's I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, hopefully we'll get back to some. I guess normalcy. If we want to, yeah. actually, do we even want to get back to how? Easy I think it's just like a, a, everyone. I remember at the top of this pandemic, and I'm still like I'm adamant about this. They're like, "All we're in a new normal," and I was all, "Bitch, this is not normal." And this is, you know, this is not a normal thing. We're in a temporary state. That's what we're in. What comes after this is the new normal. I think um, that's yeah. that's my, that's, my, that's my those are my thoughts. And um, that's a good way of putting it. I, I think. Yeah, I, I, I do have hope, you know, uh, I, I've, I've been burning lots of sage lately. I've, I've, I've grown accustomed to burning sage and Palo Santo. I don't, I'm becoming one of those LA people, crystals <laughs> and stuff, but it's, it's fine. bound to happen. <laughs> but again, thank you guys and thank everyone yes. for listening. Yeah, and thank happy... Yeah, thank you to Dan Levy who boosted our subscriber base. Oh yeah, episode. yeah. Shout out to Dan Levy. Shout out. And, shout out. and, and also, also didn't Journey Journey's episode did? Uh, yeah, did. Dan's Journeys, and then there's a live show that we did earlier this year. Yeah. Those were our top three. What was what live show did we do? 
Uh, it was in West Hollywood. Yeah, this was at the, it was right before Sundance or right after Sundance. Oh, I thought, um, oh, I, that's the one that I thought we did in 2019, like at the end of the year, but that was that at the was beginning of the year? That was this really? year. Really? Yeah, it was. According to it. our Spotify <laughs> wrapped. <laughs> yeah, that was this year. Well, thank you all for listening. And, you know, we hope to see you in 2021. We're going to have tons of new stuff uh, in store. And yeah, thanks for listening, y'all. And happy 2020 and holidays and all that good stuff. Bye, guys. Bye. You wave. <laughs> yeah, I'm, like, I know, <laughs> I'm just used to waving. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.